Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about consent and capacity. Particularly in relation to consenting to treatment like surgery. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, as always, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com in the general surgery section or in the general surgery section of the Zero to Finals surgery book. So let's get straight into it. Patients should be able to make informed decisions about their treatment. And this means that they need to be given information in a way that allows them to adequately understand the purpose, benefits and risks of treatment to make a decision. It's important to remember that patients are allowed to make unwise decisions or decisions that others might disagree with, provided they fully understand the decision and they have capacity. Making an unwise decision does not automatically mean that they lack capacity. It's worth noting that you do not have to provide treatment requested by a patient if you do not think it's appropriate. For example, if the patient is requesting opiate medication or unwarranted surgery. However, they do have a right to a second opinion. Here's a Tom tip for you. Your ability to help patients make informed decisions is tested with every OSCE explanation station. The key to scoring the highest marks is to tailor your explanation to the patient's current understanding, their ideas, their concerns and their expectations. This means spending most of the time listening and asking questions rather than telling the patient information. Check what the patient currently knows and then fill in the gaps using small chunks of information. Rather than telling the patient what to do, offer the patient options with an explanation of each of those options, even if the choice seems obvious. This includes offering the option to do nothing, even if this will result in poor outcomes. In OSCE explanation stations, there's often a particular patient agenda. For example, the patient might want to avoid a particular treatment. Or they may have misconceptions about something or don't fully understand something. And your job is to identify this. And if you don't identify this, you may do poorly on that station. So the key to this Tom tip is to really listen to the patient and tailor your explanation to them. Don't just give them a cookie cutter explanation. Let's talk about capacity. The legal framework around capacity and making decisions for patients that lack capacity is the Mental Capacity Act from 2005. All adults are assumed to have capacity. Where there is doubt about a patient's capacity, it's assessed based on each individual decision. Patients don't either have capacity or not have capacity in general They have capacity for specific decisions. For example, a patient with cognitive impairment may be able to make a decision to consent to somebody taking their blood, but not to consent to major surgery with potentially life-threatening risks. Additionally, a person's capacity to make a decision can also fluctuate, meaning that on a good day they can make the decision, but on a bad day they might not be able to. If it's safe to do so and the patient is likely to be able to make a decision for themselves at a later time, that decision should be delayed. There are four criteria a patient needs to meet to demonstrate capacity to make a decision. And this is to understand the decision, 
to weigh up the information long enough to make the decision, to weigh up the pros and the cons, and to communicate their decision. So those four things are understand, retain, weigh up, and communicate. The Tom tip for you, it's worth committing these four criteria for capacity to memory. I've lost count of the number of times I've been tested on these four criteria or I've needed to apply them in practice. They also frequently feature in exam questions, both in written exams and in OSCEs. Remember the criteria are understand, retain, weigh up and communicate. Treatment decisions for patients that lack capacity are based on their best interest. And this takes into account their individual wishes and their values. Significant decisions can be made at a best interest meeting, which is a multidisciplinary group that includes professionals, for example doctors, nurses and social workers, the patient's next of kin and any other relevant people, such as close friends or family members. Lasting power of attorney, or LPA, is when a person legally nominates another person of their choice to make decisions on their behalf, only if they lack capacity. Lasting power of attorney only comes into effect if the patient lacks capacity to decide for themselves. It does not give the person with lasting power of attorney control over a decision if they can still make that decision for themselves. Deprivation of liberty safeguards, or DOLs, involves an application made by a hospital or a care home for patients who lack capacity to allow them to provide care and treatment. Whilst in hospital or a care home, the patient is under control and is not able to leave. This means they are being deprived of their liberty, and this requires a legal framework in order to protect them. Let's talk about gaining consent. Gaining consent involves the full process of providing information to allow the patient to make an informed decision. How formal this process is depends on the intervention. For example, to examine a patient's hands, informed consent is simply implied by them allowing you to inspect their hands. Starting a patient on a medication generally only requires an explanation and verbal consent. Gaining consent for surgery is a much more rigorous process and requires a signed consent form, as the risks are generally quite a bit higher. The person that gains consent for a surgical procedure should be involved with that procedure and have sufficient understanding of it, including the benefits, the risks and the possible complications. These should be explained to the patient in a way that the patient can understand so that they can make an informed decision. The alternative options to the operation should also be discussed, including not doing anything at all. A copy of the consent form is given to the patient and another one is filed in the notes. Patients can withdraw their consent at any time prior to the procedure, provided they retain capacity to change their mind. Finally, let's talk about the specific consent forms. There are four different consent forms that can be used in different scenarios that you might come across while you work in the NHS. Consent form one is for patients consenting to a procedure. This is the most basic and standard consent form. 
Consent form two is for parental consent on behalf of a child. Consent form three is used where the patient won't have their consciousness impaired during the procedure, for example, a breast biopsy under a local anaesthetic. However, consent form one is often used instead of consent form three. And consent form four is used where the patient lacks capacity to consent for themselves. So thanks for listening to this episode on consent and capacity. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for editing this podcast perfectly. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as we have new episodes coming out three times a week. And I hope you join us for the next episode, which will be on post-operative care.